0: up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Main Event Heat Podcast. I am your host, Rob Weathers. This week, we are talking all about Forbidden Door, the big AEW versus New Japan super show. It finally happened. We've been talking about it for a couple of months. And whenever I say we, I mean the fans, because AEW seemingly didn't fucking bring it up again until a couple of weeks ago. They, they announced the show... It was April 20th, I remember, because I remember exactly where I was. I was celebrating the holiday with some friends, and they made the announcement about Forbidden Door. And, of course, everybody was hyped. This was big news. Then they didn't book, like, any fucking matches for it until we got, like, two weeks out. And even then, most of the field of matches, and I mean, like... 60-70% to of the card wasn't booked until less than a week before the show. So, I think myself and a lot of other fans had some pretty bad feelings going into this show, because everything just felt kind of super thrown together there at the end, which, you know, I I have talked about it before. Working with New Japan isn't exactly the easiest thing to do. They seem really cagey whenever it comes to anything regarding sending talent somewhere else. So, I I was worried... You know, and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you straight up, I have my own predictions of some some great dream matches we could have had on the show. I have a whole episode about it that I did a couple of months ago after the announcement was made about some, some great dream matches I would have loved to seen here. We didn't get literally any of those. And a lot of the matches, I wasn't really excited after hearing a lot of the announcements. I was like, okay, well, this literally makes no fucking sense. Like, why... Why would we do this? Like, why do we not have certain talent? You know, it, it just, it really felt like this show was going to be a missed opportunity. I don't want to get too deep into the overall review before I start going over the matches, but I will say right out of the gate, this show wound up being better than I thought it was going to be. And and I think that that maybe that was the trick, right? They had to temper everybody's expectations because when they first heard this announcement, be like, oh, this is going to be the greatest show in the history of fucking wrestling shows, then, you know, a lot of injuries happened, some other fuck shit, who knows what, maybe some political shit, and they wound up, a lot of people not being able to make the show, so they had these tossed together fucking matches, and then then maybe a lot of us were like, ah, now this is gonna suck. And then they just told all of them to go out and put on a fucking fantastic show, and it wound up being great in the end. So, I, I will say that I wound up being a lot happier with this show than I thought I was going to be. But before we talk more about how I felt about the show as a whole, let's go ahead and get started with the top of the show. We are in Chicago at the United Center. Well over 16,000 people packed into this place. And man, the crowd was fucking hot. They loved almost everything that they saw. And I've said before, a really good crowd can make all of the difference. And I think that that crowd was a huge part of this show. Let's start with the buy-in. Of course, none of these grades have anything to do with the final grade of the show, but let's go ahead and run through these real quick. We start off, we see the dual announcers in the ring. Shibata from New Japan, Roberts from AEW. I thought that was super cool. They, they, The way that they did the dual announcer thing, it wasn't as seamless as in New Japan. Because they have two announcers in New Japan. But uh, you know, it wasn't as cool and as seamless as it is on an actual New Japan broadcast. But kudos for trying that though. I, I did really appreciate the effort there. First match on the pre-show, we have got the Factory's QT Marshall and Aaron Solo taking on Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. I wrote God, I don't fucking care, C minus. After that, we've got Lance Archer versus Nick Camarado. Also, don't care, C. After that, we've got Baskin the Swerve versus Suzuki Goons, El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. This match actually fucked pretty good. I kind of like this match. I would have liked it a lot more. I really wish that they would have cycled out Kanemaru for a big guy, because, I mean, you've got Swerve's big ass on the other team. So I really wish that, like, they wouldn't have done Archer and Kamerado and just had Archer team up with El Desperado here. But regardless, the, the the match was pretty good. I gave it a B. Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks come out afterwards to talk shit to the Swerve Baskers. After that, we have got the LA Dojo versus the acclimated asses, or whatever the fuck they call themselves. The rap was pretty good. Dan Housen interrupts them on the big screen, plays some kind of ass boys theme song, and then Colton and Austin just fucking leave, leaving Max Caster and Billy Gunn to win without them. Whatever, I don't care. C minus. Let's get on to the main card. Thankfully, it was all uphill from here. The commentary team is Excalibur, Taz, and Kevin Kelly. Was not really expecting that. Always very welcoming to see Taz on the commentary team because, unlike. Pretty much everybody else on the main broadcasting team. He is a true color commentator. So I really enjoyed that. Love Kevin Kelly. I've said before, I think he's one of the best in the business. Excalibur, I feel like he really could have laid off a little bit throughout the show. I felt like he was taking up so much time. And there was a lot of times where I wanted to hear Kevin talk more, especially if it was about the Japan guys. And Excalibur just, he does this thing where he just keeps fucking going, going, and going. Uh, But it wasn't egregious. I just noticed that, you know, it's one of those things, like I've said before, as a commentator, I notice some things and there are some things that will aggravate me that maybe don't bother other people. But we start off with the first match. The Jericho Appreciation Society's Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara teamed up with Suzuki himself to go against Eddie Kingston, Willer Yuda, and Shooter Umino. I love how Sammy is so absolute shit by himself that they wind up just throwing him back with Chris Jericho every time he leaves him because he just can't do jack shit without Jericho. That definitely pops me. I I don't think I saw the episode of Dynamite or whatever whenever Sammy joined the Jericho Appreciation Society, so a lot of the quote-unquote build going into all of this stuff I was unaware of. Uh, That just popped me. The crowd popped really big for Eddie Kingston and Minoru Suzuki facing off in the ring, as did I. A lot of good wrestling shit. Jericho hit Shooter with the Judas Effect for the win, giving the Jericho Appreciation Society the advantage at Blood and Guts, which I think once they said that it was going to be for that Blood and Guts advantage, we all expected they were going to win because that's the rule. The heel has to have the War Games advantage. It's just how it has to happen. I really like this match. There was a lot of great action that I was not really expecting. Shooter is a fucking stud and a half. wheeler Yuta with a great performance. Suzuki is always awesome. Jericho, Sammy, and Kingston all did a great job. I really fucking enjoyed this match, and it caught me off guard. I give it an A-. I loved it. The fans in Chicago loved it. Moving right on after that, we have got FTR versus Rapungi Vice versus the United Empires Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn for all the gold. They have got the Ring of Honor tag team titles on the line and the IWGP tag team titles on the line. Bobby Cruz is on the stick. Caprice Coleman at the booth really love that. Big dick energy for FTR coming out to the ring with the AAA belts, as I'm sure a lot of you guys heard. There were some great talents that were supposed to be on the show that we were not able to see because of AAA's archaic bullshit deal where they don't fuck with anything that CMLL does, and CMLL's got a partnership with New Japan, so they wouldn't let their guys be on the show, yada yada. Fucking stupid, but I love that FTR came out with those AAA belts regardless. They don't give a flying fuck. Dax gets pulled out of the match early commentary said that he separated his shoulder dude comes back out to the ring taped up like a fucking soldier FTR wins with the big rig there was a lot of great action in this match I was really expecting Rapongi Vice to win because the way I saw it, whoever wins has to be a team that can compete for the newly revamped Ring of Honor and can compete for New Japan. And just in my mind, I thought Rapongi Vice was going to be the safe bet there. In my heart of hearts, I was hoping for United Empire to win because those guys have been on a fucking roll. Like Jeff Cobb, I've always been a fan of. Great O'Con, I admit, admittedly wasn't a fan of him at first whenever I saw him. But I have really been coming around to them. I think that they are a great tag team. So I was kind of hoping that they would win. But, man, I am so... Pleasantly surprised that they pulled the trigger on FTR here. FTR has been making a case recently that they are the greatest tag team in all of professional wrestling. And boy, it is hard to fucking doubt that at this point. Absolutely amazing showing by those guys, just like fucking every showing that they've had. I know Dax Harwood has been going out of his way to put on banger after banger single match in AEW right now. These two as a team. Like they always say, literally one of the best teams in the fucking world. I am happy that they got this. Hopefully this means we get to see them go to New Japan to defend those belts. They don't just defend them here. I think that'd be a cop-out. But yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was really good. B. After that, Tony Schiavone interviews Juice Robinson and Switchblade Jay White. They talk some shit. That's about it. After that, we have got the Fatal Four Way for the All Atlantic Championship Clark Connors versus Pac versus Malachi Black versus Miro. Clark Connors with a fucking star making performance here. The fans were in his hands by the end of the match. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously, I'm sure a lot of you guys know if you're listening to this episode, Tomohiro Ishii was supposed to be the New Japan representative for this match. He wound up getting injured before the show, so he got replaced by the guy that he beat, which was Clark Connors. And I think a lot of people were really, really let down by that. Even people that are fans of Clark Connors, like, I know the guy can work, but it's kind of a letdown. Like, I would have, I think a lot of us wanted to really see Ishii. But you know what? I think Clark went into this match with a chip on his shoulder because he knew that a lot of people were shitting on him because he was not Ishi, And he fucking did a great job. His offense looked really, really good. I haven't seen much of him since he graduated from being a Young Lion, and I was thoroughly impressed. I think he did an amazing job of hanging with the other three guys. Miro, it was looking like he was going to win, then he got hit with the Black Mist. Pac winds up winning by hitting a four fifty onto Malachi Black, then puts the Rings of Saturn on Clark. I did not see that coming. Of of everybody in this match, that I thought was going to win. I was I was expecting Miro to win, hoping for Malachi to win, and we got Pac. I I was pleasantly surprised there. Did not like I said, did not see that shit coming. I have a question though. When the fuck are we going to pay off this shit with Kip Sabian? Because he was in the crowd for this match, right? You know, he's he's out there with the fucking box on his head. Everybody is expecting him to do something with Miro because, you know, before he got injured, him and Miro had their little beef with each other. He's just been out there for like every fucking show, every pay-per-view, every Dynamite, whatever. He's just hanging out by the ring for however fucking long it's been now. It's like, when, when are we going to do something with that? Like, whenever we say we want long-term storytelling, we want actual storytelling to happen in the long term. There's nothing happening here. It's just been the dude sitting ringside bothering the shit out of me for fucking months. I don't know. Has it been a year? It feels like it's been a fucking year. Outside of that, the match was really, really entertaining. Very surprising finish. One of the last, if not the last surprising finish of the entire night. I give it a B B+. We are off to a very good start on the show. We have got the Bullet Club ELP and the Young Bucks taking on the dudes with Attitude Sting, Darby Allen, and motherfucking Shingo Takagi. This was supposed to be a four-on-four match with Hikaleu joining Bullet Club and Hiromu Takahashi joining the Dudes with Tudes, but Takahashi had a fever, wasn't able to fly out, which really fucking sucks. I'm a big Takahashi fan. A lot of people are big Takahashi fans. Really blows that we weren't able to get him on the show, but they really took the opportunity here to make Shingo look like a fucking stud. Not that anybody had to make him look like one, because he already fucking is one, but he did a fantastic job, and I think that anybody watching this match that was unaware of Shingo Takagi, I think they come out of it a Shingo fan. Tony Schiavati comes out on commentary so he can do the Sting thing. Sting does not come out whenever his entrance music plays at first, then afterwards, whenever the Bullet Club all come out, he fucking jumps off the entrance tunnel on them. I literally gasped. This man is in his 60s and nobody fucking told him. Sting was on absolute fucking fire in this match, just everything that he did, the no-selling of the super kick and, and, and the fucking around, the stuff with him and ELP, a lot of it popped me, Shingo winds up getting the pin on ELP by hitting the last dragon, this match was off the rails at points, you know, it's a Young Bucks match, so there's a little bit of fuck shit and you know, a little bit of confusingness going on, like, I feel like the Young Bucks are kind of just making up way too much shit on the fly half the time, but it was a still really fun match, I, I did enjoy this, I gave it a B-minus. After that, we have got Tony Schiavone in the back trying to interview Shooter and then the Jericho Appreciation Society interrupts. Jericho does the fireball spot to Shooter. I'm sure that Moxley's going to get involved in this at some point. Obviously, he's the one that gave Shooter the nickname. They go way back. Or this is going to absolutely go nowhere. It's going to be one or the other. After that, we have got Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm for the women's title. The fans are tired by this point. They have expended all of their energy so far, and so am I. Thunder winds up retaining the title by hitting Dustin Rhodes' finisher for some goofy-ass reason. Like, I get it. She trains with Dustin, but why the fuck is Dustin the biggest narrative point whenever it comes to Thunder Rosa? I don't don't fucking get it. She hit the, uh, what was it, the final cut? I think he used to call it back in the day. I don't know what he calls it now. And Tony Storm kicked out of the, the Thunder Driver, which it's like that's a way more devastating move. I don't know. I feel like if the match went on sooner on the card, more people would have liked it. I might have liked it. But I had a really, really hard time staying invested in it. Thunder Rosa matches just don't hit for me like they used to. I don't know what it is. I've got, I've got some theories as to why I don't enjoy Thunder Rosa matches as much as I used to. But I don't really want to get into those right here. It wasn't necessarily a bad match. But compared to everything else on this card, it wasn't great. I gave it a C plus. After that, we have got Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy for the IWGP United States Championship. Jr. comes out on commentary. Was really confused by this because I know that he's not a fan of of the goofy side of pro wrestling, and we all knew this was going to be a goofy fucking match. So kind of blew my mind that Jr. came out for this. Winds up staying out for the rest of the show, which I once again thought was weird. Like, why did we decide Jr. only needed to work a few matches? I don't I don't know. Whatever. That was their that was their decision. Not mine. Who cares? A lot of shtick between these two, as I'm sure you all can imagine. A lot of fuck shit. The pacing was kind of back and forth. There was some really cool shit for a couple of minutes. Then it drags for a little bit. Then they go to a next set of cool spots. Then it drags for a little bit. It was it was a lot of over-the-top selling. From both of them. Like it was... For me it felt like it was Hogan versus HBK. But on purpose. At points. Because like like Will Ospreay's fucking selling was just ends. It was absolutely Shawn Michaels levels of selling at points, but yeah, the, the pacing was really, really weird, but when it was on, it was good. Will picks up the win with the Stormbreaker after a crazy ass finishing sequence. I give the match as a whole a B-. Afterwards, Ozzy Open gets in the ring and tries to hit the fidget spinner on Orange Cassidy. rapongi Vice comes out to make the save, and then fucking Shibata's music starts playing, and Katsuri Shibata comes out, which was absolutely absolutely fucking wild scares off Will Ospreay he has a little thing with Orange Cassidy in the ring I don't give a flying fuck about any of that I don't give a flying fuck what happens with with Osprey or Cassidy in the future it's just always so cool getting to see Shibata he's got one of the best entrance songs in the game and I'm I'm such a huge fucking fan of his after that Zack Sabre Jr. comes out he is going to be going against the newly appointed member of the Blackpool Combat Club since Brian Danielson could he not compete in this match and it wound up being who a lot of us thought it was going to be, Claudio Castagnoli, the former Cesaro. I was satisfied with this, was very satisfied with this. So to me, I think whenever they announced that this was going to be a thing and that we were going to get a new member of the Black Bull Combat Club and it was going to be another technical wrestler going against DSJ, I think I immediately, my mind went to Jonathan Gresham which I thought was going to be a cop-out, but I also know that, like, when in doubt, you need a technical wrestler, Jonathan will do it. But I think, for myself, I was, I was like, you know what? There's three guys. If it's either Claudio, Timothy Thatcher or Biff Busick, I'll be very happy with either one of those guys. We got Claudio, very satisfied. The fans in Chicago, of course, loved it. Great match between these two. Claudio got a lot of his good shit in. He wins with an underhook power bomb. I think they called it the Recola Bomb. I didn't know we could name fucking finishers after cough drops. Uh, whenever I do get in the ring, I want you guys to be on the lookout for the Hall's cutter, for sure. Big Man was an absolute stud here. Claudio looked like he, he's, he hasn't lost any single step since he's been in the WWE, I know that he was one of those guys that we all knew could put on these fucking banger matches, but just never really got the opportunity to. It was only whenever they would put him on, on like pre-show matches or something, you know, stuff that doesn't get heavily produced by people, he would go in and really get some of his cool shit off. But I, I think he's gonna do great here in AEW. I really look forward to seeing, especially him being in the Black Bull Combat Club. He's got that built-in beef in the past with Regal because if I'm not mistaken, he was Regal's retirement match. That's kind of been the case with every. Everybody in Blackpool Combat Club with the exception of Wheeler U, do they all have a checkered pass with Regal. Only issue that I had with this match is that it ran really long. Like there was points where I was like, we could have fucking cut this short, guys. Like this this happened to take up a lot of time. Other than that, I really enjoyed it. Now we just need to call Chris Hero and give me a King of Pro Wrestling tag team reunion real fucking quick. I just want that for like two months, go into a pay per view, have one big Kings of Pro Wrestling tag team match, and then Hero can go back doing whatever the fuck he's doing. I really enjoyed the match, though. So I gave it a B. After that, we have got Jay White versus Okada versus Hangman Page versus Adam Cole for the IWGP title. Really fucking disappointed that Red Shoes Uno was not the referee for this, and they've got Rick Knox's goofy ass out there. When Switchblade was coming out to the ring, he's of course got V5 across his waist. He is the IWGP. Champion. My wife said that V5 was a pretty belt. And if she would have said that shit sober without a few glasses of wine in her, I would have been on the phone with a divorce lawyer, but I'm hoping that since then she has come to her senses because V5 is not what I would call a pretty belt. You guys know my opinions on it. The finish was kind of weird for this match. Uh, Adam Cole is kind of just laying in the corner while Switchblade hits a Blade Runner on Kazuchika Okada, throws him out of the ring, pulls Adam Cole closer, pins him, and then that's it. At the time, I'm watching it really fucking confused. I did hear this morning that apparently it sounds like Cole got a concussion during that match. So the match got cut a little bit short. They had to retcon the finish. Look, I have seen this shit happen in front of me. I've seen guys get seriously rocked in the ring and they've got to do what they can to try to salvage the finish as best they can. So if that is the case, if Cole really did get hurt, you know, I hope he's all right. I hope everything's going to be good because that shit is really scary. But, you know, the match the match wasn't bad. It was, it was all over the fucking place, you know, it was a fatal four-way, those tend to be that way, but it's a lot of great wrestling, we got to see Okada, absolutely love him, Switchblade is, is having the run of his fucking career right now, I think that those two New Japan guys really shined in this match, I gave it a B-. minus. After that, we have got the main event for the evening, John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW interim title, I do not like interim titles. Whatso fucking ever, but for whatever reason, Tony Khan is a CM Punk dick rider and doesn't want to take the belt off of him. So here we are. Mox teases us at the beginning whenever he's making his entrance with the Death Rider intro, which was the the song that he used in New Japan. But then after the intro guitar solo plays, fucking stupid ass wild thing starts playing. We've been over this. He needs to get rid of the song. It doesn't fit him. Tanahashi comes out for his entrance. Almost walked around the tunnel instead of walking through it. That shit fucking popped me. Tanahashi's a national treasure. We need to protect him at all costs. I wound up going to the bathroom for the first half of this match because it's been a long show. Absolutely had to get done. Uh I did, of course, like I always say, I did go back and watch some highlights. So I, I I did catch the rest of the match to make sure I gave it an appropriate grade. They did nothing wrong, right? Like the match was 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 well done. I think Moxley and Tanahashi do work very well together. I am a fan of both of these guys individually. I just in in this title picture. I don't know. I just didn't really want to see either one of them in it. I really did not like how they handled putting Moxley in this. Like, Even though he was fourth in the rankings, they were like, hey, we're going to have somebody win a battle royal, and then later in the same night, that guy's got to go against Moxley, which we're basically just telling you Moxley's going to win because unlike the other guy, he doesn't have to work a match at the top of the show. And Tony Khan here's everybody complaining about how Moxley was fourth and he automatically gets the title shot and that he was defending it online. But for whatever fucking reason, Tony didn't realize that he was basically burying his own ranking system that he fucking created. And just the whole thing surrounding it was just goofy and, and borderline fucking stupid at points. And, and that made me really not into it. And like I said, I fucking love Tanahashi. I meeting Tanahashi in person has been one of my proudest moments as a wrestling fan. But just, we knew he wasn't going to win right like how many people actually assumed Tanahashi was going to win this match I would love to know we all knew Mox was going to win I'm not ready for a two-time AEW world champion right now not ready for that whatsoever there's there's other people that could have been in this spot but they didn't do anything wrong you know they they did work very well together there was just I just wasn't here for it I still give the match a B because they did a great job but I I, regardless of who won regardless of what the finish would have been I was not invested in it either way but it was good For what it was. So, all of the matches were great. One thing that wasn't great is afterwards, the Jericho Appreciation Society comes out to the ring, the rest of the Black Bull Combat Club comes out, Claudio gets his music, he comes out, and then they do a go home on the fucking pay per view for the Blood and Guts Dynamite in a few days. How many times have you guys, as wrestling fans, seen a wrestling promotion do a go home on their pay per view? For the upcoming weekly TV show. Because I don't think I've ever seen it. I think that was dumb. I, I It was inappropriate, really. Because we have done a lot of... We've done enough building for the blood and guts match we really i think they've done more building for the blood and guts match than they have this fucking pay-per-view as a whole so this was unnecessary we all knew the match was coming we we were all very aware of it why the fuck did we treat the ending of a pay-per-view like a go-home i'm not gonna let that determine the final grade of the show because the matches were all great i, I have to iterate that once again The match outcomes, for the most part, especially after the first few matches, were very fucking predictable. But the matches themselves, regardless of outcomes, all managed to be very entertaining. Like I said, the worst match on the show was Thunder rosa Versus Tony Storm, and I still gave it a C C+, which is just slightly above average. You know what I mean? And if that's worst case scenario, you got a pretty good fucking show on your hands. Now the surprises that we did get, like I was definitely not expecting Pac to win his match. I wasn't exactly expecting FTR to win their matches, and I was not expecting the first match to fuck as hard as it did. That shit was great. I was pleasantly surprised with all of those things. So uh, final grade for the show is a B. I thought it was it was a lot better than it was looking like it was going to be. I know Tony Khan has already said that he wants to do a part two. I would love to see a part two. I would really... (laughs) I really don't want them, like I, I had said before whenever I did my initial predictions, I didn't want this to be about belts. I just want it to be dream matches. You don't need stories. You just need, hey, this guy and this other guy would have a great fucking match against each other, so let's just do that. And that's what it looked like we were going to get with Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. We wound up getting Zack versus Claudia, which, guess what? Great fucking match. There, there, the cons that I feel like there are, the issues that I had with the show, In no way, shape, or form overshadow just how good the actual match quality was. A lot of the young guys that came into this, like Clark Connors, Shooter, Wheeler Yuta, these guys had star-making performances, and their careers are only going to go up from here. A lot to love on the show. Like I said, I give it a B. Very happy with that grade. If you have not already watched... AEW vs. New Japan Forbidden Door, please go check it out. You can still order it on your pay-per-view provider or on Bleacher Report. Uh, if there is one match for you to go back and watch, if you have not seen anything but you would want one match to watch, I do highly recommend that opener, Jericho Appreciation Society with Suzuki, taking on Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shooter. Great fucking match. My favorite match of the night. And that's it for Forbidden Door. What did you guys think? Do you agree with these grades? Did you guys really like the show? Did you not like the show? If you want to talk about it, send me an email at maineventheat at yahoo.com and let's talk about it. Speaking of maineventheat at yahoo.com, I need you guys to send in some questions. I need you guys to tell me what are some episodes you would like to hear. I know I haven't done a top 10 list in a while. I haven't done a watch along in a while. What's some top Topics that you guys would like to cover because I'm gonna need to record a few episodes in advance for the middle of July. The first week of July, July 4th, I will have a regular episode. After that, the next two weeks, though, I'm going to be on vacation, so I instead of just taking a couple of weeks off the show, which, trust me, I thought about, I do want to go ahead and have like some preempted episodes that come out during that time, so if you guys have any suggestions for topics you would like me to cover, please send those suggestions over to maineventheat at yahoo.com. I will be with IWN's Main Event Wrestling from Georgia this weekend, July 2nd, at the Underground Fight Factory. Then we are taking a few weeks off, and we will be returning July 23rd in Thomaston, Georgia at the Upson County Civic Center for the big IWN birthday bash show. We have got Tommy Dreamer taking on Bryce Cannon. We have got Scott Steiner's open challenge. Teddy Long is going to be there. Road Dog Jesse James will be joining me on commentary so much more. It is going to be a great show. You can get tickets now at eventbrite.com. That is going to be main event wrestling from Georgia July 23rd at the Upson County Civic Center in Thomaston, Georgia. If you would like to follow me on social media you can do so by finding at sweet sexy rob on twitter and instagram if you would like to support the show the best way to do that is by picking up a t-shirt over at pro wrestling slash rob weathers and once again thanks for hanging out